Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, Mary, did you know? We're going to open up with this song. I'm going to give you a little history about it. Come on in, people. This is the Go Fish version of the song. So, please share this out, okay? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one on water Mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you Soon deliver you, Mary. Did you know? I love this. This is such a good song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight? Your baby. 
history behind this song is really interesting if you look at um, Wikipedia where everybody goes to get reliable info um, <clears throat> then um, <laughs> that was supposed to be funny I did not hear any laughter but inside my heart um, anyway so <clears throat> so this song was written the lyrics to this song according to Wikipedia, were written in 1984 by Mark Lowry. And then in 1991, a number of years later, Buddy Green actually wrote the music. So this is a song that actually took a long time for it to be completed. Um, it says here it was originally recorded by Christian recording artist Michael English on his self-titled debut solo album in 1991. And um, it says here at the time, English and Lowry were members of the Gaither Vocal Band which, you know, you guys probably have heard of them. The song reached number six on the CCM Magazine's Adult Contemporary Chart. And then it says here that Lowry would record the song several times himself, most notably with the Gaither Vocal Band on their 1998 Christmas album, Still the Greatest Story Ever Told. And this song has been uh, recorded by Kenny Rogers and Winona Judd, Clay Aiken, uh, C. Low Green, uh, Pentatonix version, which I bet is a really good version because they're really good. Jordan Smith and probably other people too, but I don't know who. <laughs> but I love this song personally. So the version you heard just now is from Go Fish off the CD um, from, I don't know when this CD was released, but it's like one of my favorite Christmas CDs. So you're just going to have to deal with it and learn to like it if you don't. So anyway, okay. So what we're going to do tonight is tonight, people, I am going to share with you about the weirdest Christmas gift I ever got. And this, this came up because, you know, I teach Awana on Sunday night, sometimes most weeks that we have it. And, um, Randall was like, well, what do you want to talk about tonight? And I, I said, I'm going to, we should talk about Christmas cause it's coming up. And there's so many misconceptions about Christmas. Um, like the fact that there was three wise men just saying, uh, we'll talk about that later. But as I was thinking about talking to kids tonight, I shared with them this story about the weirdest Christmas gift I ever got. It was over 20 years ago when I worked at Toyota. I, I was working in the service department of the um, of the dealership, 
and it was Christmas time and the owner and the general manager of the company came to our back office and and said Merry Christmas and the general manager handed me a box and I opened it up and inside was some Neutrogena bath oil and all that and it was the very first time I had ever even heard of Neutrogena I guess I wasn't raised on that side of the tracks so I just hadn't heard of it um, I remember getting the sesame seed oil and all that and used it. It smelled so nice. I was like, oh, this is such, this is the greatest gift. And then about short time later, the owner of the company who shall remain nameless and his wife came out and they had these big, huge boxes of presents that they were handing out. And they walked up to me and Mrs. Owner said, Stacy, here's your Christmas gift from me to you. I hope you really like it. It's, I thought long and hard about it. And this year I thought that I would get this for you. <clears throat> well, obviously I'd never met this woman. She doesn't know me, but Hey, anytime anybody wants to give me a gift, I'll take it. Okay. So I was super excited. She told us all to open them up at the same time. And so all of us gathered around. We all had these big boxes, you know, probably the size of a moving box, you know, a little moving box size. And we all ripped it open. And when I ripped it open and then opened the box, inside the box was dirt. And to, to be more precise, it was actually soil. It was soil. It was it was dirt. It was dirty soil. <laughs> to which I was like, why is, why is she giving me a box of dirt for Christmas? You know? <laughs> well, upon further inspection, I pulled out some paper and in, in, on the paper was instructions about how to grow my newly found mushroom garden which I was just given as a gift from the owner of the company because she loved mushrooms uh, and she thought that everybody else did too and that it would be a great idea to give us all mushroom growing kits. <laughs> well, just so you know, I don't like mushrooms in any way, shape, or form. I have eaten them in gravy on accident, but other than that... No, do not like mushrooms. Um, so I was sharing the story with the kids tonight and I was talking to them about how when you receive a gift, sometimes you need to change the perspective of how you receive the gift because you got to look at it, look at it from the giver's perspective. So the owner of this company genuinely was super excited to, to have the wherewithal to give everybody a box of mushrooms, including the dirt to grow it in. She was so happy and overjoyed to give us this box. And granted, if I had liked mushrooms, honestly, it would have been a super cool gift. It would have been awesome because I would have grown the mushrooms in my little apartment that I lived in. <laughs> But you know what? At the time, 
to be honest, I was kind of irritated. Like, really? Are you serious? This is the crappy gift that I get is that I get this box of dirt from you really for all the hard, hard work. <laughs> I probably had that type of attitude back then. Well, 30 years later, 30 some years has passed since that time. And what I told the kids today was I said, you know, it's the same way with how Jesus came. You know, Jesus came into the world in a very unique way. In fact, he landed in a, in a, um, an, you know, in a manger. He landed with animals. It was smelly, stinky. You know, he was, he actually came through the woman's body of a virgin. He showed up in a dank, disgusting, dirty environment. And he wasn't wanted by the people that he ultimately came for. He was wrapped in a crappy package, let's put it that way. But he was the greatest gift ever given. The kids were like, that's such a great story. I said, yeah, it is great, because think about it. You know, so Jesus came, and then, of course, his childhood, you know, he was a little child. Herod wants to kill him, and, you know, and him and his parents have to flee all these places in order to survive, because what did he do? He didn't do anything, but he yet, he was the greatest gift ever given to the world. And he was given to everybody. Now, think about this. God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him and that little boy and that little baby should not perish but have everlasting life. That is what the gospel is about. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about a weird way God gave the world the greatest gift ever. And the religious people who were looking for him didn't even like it, didn't appreciate the package, so to speak. They didn't appreciate the thought that the Father put into giving us Christ the way that he did. And yet those... Very people rejected him, and other people then became his followers, you know. And, you know, one of the things about Christ that just absolutely amazes and astounds me is that, you know, he, he was walking on water one day <clears throat> when there was this massive storm going on. These experienced fishermen and, and people who knew how to sail and were in boats they were terrified because of how rageful the sea was. And yet, here's the Lord Jesus walking on water. And the scripture says in Mark that, you know, he was going to walk by them. But he didn't. <laughs> you know, but the disciples in the boat, they were freaking out. They were like, ah, they thought he was a ghost. But the Lord spoke to him and said, it's okay, be still. And then the Lord also said to the water, be quiet, calm down, basically, be still. And it was, you know, Jesus was a meek and mild miracle maker. You know, he's underestimated by kings and he's neglected by the rich. 
but he's the greatest gift ever given. And it's sad because in the church today, we don't even really talk about Jesus that much. Most of what the church today talks about is how to get wealthy, how to get, you know, prosperity and finances and stuff. And they don't even consider the wealth that's in the person of Christ himself and how he came down from heaven in the most unique way so that he could die for us. You know, a death that sin, you know, the wages of sin is death. So we don't have to die, you guys, and go to hell and die in our sin if we just receive that gift, if we receive it with, with joy, <clears throat> if we receive it willingly and we understand, as they always say, this is the greatest story ever told with the greatest ending ever. But yet so few people, really, the Bible talks about narrow is the way and few there find it, you know. So if you're one of the few that have found Christ so far, I would be thankful for that. Because there's a whole world out there that haven't. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, the Lord uh, was approached by a very rich person who said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And I was reading that today. And what stood out to me about that question was that the rich man, he wanted to inherit something. He wanted to inherit eternal life. And you and I will if we receive the gift that Jesus did, we will inherit that eternal life. He was looking for an inheritance, just as rich people do, I suppose. And Jesus has this conversation with the rich young ruler and basically says to him, you know, have you kept the commandments? And the rich young ruler says, yeah, basically I have from my youth. And then Jesus says, okay, then go and sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it says that, the rich man left and he was sad because he was really rich. It's interesting to me that in the false gospel that's being preached all over America and in the world that they don't talk about that. And yet it's heartbreaking when you really think about it. Really. So tonight... I will leave you with those comments and Bareface shall continue. <laughs> and I don't know if he wants to comment on what I said, but I'm sure he's going to shed some more light on what God's word says. Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely, you're spot on on all of that. You know, earlier today we were discussing what you're reading in Mark and then the whole idea about Eliyahu, about Elijah mm -hmm. and you know, they had expectations of Messiah based on tradition, not based on the scripture. And our Lord came back to him with scripture. Kind of says, well, what about this? And and that's pretty common throughout all the Gospels interaction uh, with uh, those there in the Holy Land, you know, who had been... Uh, steeped in tradition in one way or another and you know, that was his main complaint especially at the the uh, leadership level that they taught tradition you know as as if it were the commands of god the, the tradition had supplanted or supplanted um you know the, the word of god mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because... <clears throat> Man, my throat's bugging me. I got allergies, people. Yeah, I do. Um, it, it's interesting, too, because after that, that story about the rich young ruler, Jesus goes on to talk about how it's really hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. Oh. Um, and... If you read really carefully through the Gospels, what you see is that it actually ties back to the hardness of heart of the individual um, person. So there you go. I should say hi to a couple of people. I see Sharon in the chat room. Um, I don't see anybody else. I know Periscope's been kicking people out again. I don't know who's watching on YouTube, but if you say something, I would. Um, and I'm sure there's people on. Are, are we on Facebook? Uh, last we I checked. We're Okay. It's been kind of touch and go. Well, Facebook was the first one to connect, which is unusual. Usually it's Facebook that gives issues, but hmm. no problems connecting to Facebook tonight. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, YouTube took several starts to get going. And that's <sighs> finally launched. And Twitch is going fine. Mixer is going fine. So it looks like everything is up all of our usual channels okay well if you're there hi <laughs> can't see you but if you're there hi <laughs> anyway um so yeah before randall jumps into the thing though let me just direct your attention to that scrolling thing down there um those are kind of some of our announcements you can shop at our amazon store if you click through that link Anything you buy through the store, you know, you can just click through that and you can buy stuff on Amazon. We'll get a little couple cents for it. Um, if you want to join my text message list, text 333. Well, text Bible News to 33222. Um, of course, Ariel Ministries is our sponsor, ariel.org. You can go there, save 20% when you use our coupon code, at least through the end of this month. Um, if you... <clears throat> go there though i think they're having a sale still for 30 percent. you can actually save 30 percent, which i would highly encourage you to do and put a note in the thing we're bible news radio people let them know if you do that and lastly you know if you want to donate to the show you can do that through our website biblenewsradio.com uh <clears throat> forward slash give you can do that and then of course if you're a essential oil person like me um i love essential oil especially in things like this um, you know, or a neck warmer or, or even a diffuser, you can use the coupon code John 316, save 10% off your order and any sale items. That's one, one of the things I love about Spark Naturals is the coupon code will save you money on top of all sales. So, and their essential oil is, is really good. I use it on everything that I do <clears throat> and legal shield too. That's another uh, way that you can help support our show and, and uh, I encourage you to do so. So if you want more info on that, just get in touch with me through our website or social media. You guys, I'm not hard to get in touch with. It's all out there, people. Um, so that's it. Okay, Randall. So now it's your turn to teach the masses, people, about Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, Stay sent out a um, little quiz, Bible trivia quiz the other day, question, she's doing that every day, but one the other day was how many, how many wise men does the Bible say um, came from the East or whatever, I remember the exact question, but there were a variety of answers and uh, I think only one correct, so perhaps, you know, it's time to look at what the scripture says 
about surrounding the nativity, the birth of Yeshua. So we'll do that. We're going to look at the scripture, primarily Luke chapter 2, also in uh, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Luke, he tends to be, well, I don't know, he offers some detail that Matthew doesn't. Matthew offers other detail that Luke doesn't, as such is the case with any eyewitnesses of any event. Uh, different perspectives, even if they're at the same time, you know, they're standing from different vantage points, etc. A lot of things that will uh, determine what a person uh, reports. Anyway, so let's get into it. Let's get into it prayerfully, starting in Luke chapter 2. Lord, you're awesome, and we're thankful for the best gift of all, the gift of eternal life, and that this gift, this life is in your Son, that those who have your Son have life. And so, as we look into the scriptures uh, regarding of when that gift was given, uh, Lord, may we um, have eyes to see, ears to hear, spirits that are receptive to your spirit, that we might receive all that you have for us. We offer ourselves in this time to you, to use as you will, for our good, your glory. We ask it in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Alright, so Luke chapter 2. Um, the... The reader view and opera tells us it'll take six to eight minutes to read it, but we're not going to read the whole chapter. Uh, using the New King James tonight because it's a somewhat modern English translation, but still uh, pretty true to the original text. We read, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing in Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And I like this. You know, unlike other religious texts I've read that say a long time ago or essentially once upon a time, um, uh, whether you read the... Um, Bhagavad Gita or even the Book of Mormon or whatever, there's no, uh, we don't have a specific time frame that we can put in world history and, you know, hang out on anything else we know from world history. Uh, Luke, uh, the physician and historian, you know, tells us that, um, that a decree went out uh, when uh, Caesar Augustus, you know, he was the he was the emperor in Rome. He says the the census this census first took place uh, when Quirinius was governing Syria, so that might have been this was then, or it took place earlier, and this was another time. Uh, but that gives us some um, time frame. In fact, if we look at um, Elsewhere in Luke, uh, specifically, in Luke chapter, oh, it's not going to do that for me. Fine, be that way. Stand by. Um, 
lost my place. That was also here in Luke chapter 2. Um, don't know why I am not. what I'm looking for. Anyway, I don't want to get uh, sidetracked, but for some reason, I don't know, losing my place where Luke goes on and gives more detail about the Tetrarchs and who's reigning where. Anyway, it just gives us more of a uh, place, uh, you know, time in history. Not a place in history, but a time in history. And when we look at other, you know, extra biblical texts, we can um, have a pretty good idea of when this event took place. Not down to the day, perhaps. And I know there have been speculations and and star charts and stuff like that to try to determine the exact day. But because the whole world wasn't using the same calendar, and that wasn't even until heck the Gregorian calendar that we use. Uh, primarily in most of the world, even that wasn't um, uh, adjusted into its uh, present form until the 18th century. So, you know, so many, a uh, couple millennia ago, uh, you know, everybody's reckoning time by different things. We look at events and uh, extrapolate and interpolate to get uh, an approximate time frame which ends up, incidentally, around somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C. Uh, what we would call B.C. now, it doesn't make sense that Christ would come before Christ, but because, again, those that mix of calendars and the way we count years, what we counting backward from where we are, we would end up in what we would call somewhere between 6 and 4 B.C. only. It wasn't wasn't really before Christ. It's just if you count back to the first century and before that that's that's the number you end up with you know the the labels came much afterward anyway all that was for free so going back um going back text here okay so joseph went up from galilee out of the city of nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And of course, we read in Luke chapter 1 that, that she was with child uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, the the um, the Holy Spirit had overshadowed her, and what was conceived of her was of the Holy Spirit, uh, not from human relations. Anyway, so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So, came to full term, and she brought forth her firstborn son, I can speak, really, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And Matthew talks a little bit about that. But, you know, when we talk, we read this Christmas story, perhaps we have in our minds something that uh, looks like this. 
photo, this, well, this actually, this painting. I believe this is by Greg Olson. And in, in a nice painting it is, but I put a question mark there. And what's wrong with this picture? Well, several things are wrong with this picture. One, this place looks like a, a medieval or even, you know, maybe even an 18th century barn. Uh, it has these thick uh, walls, like adobe or clay or mud walls. We've seen bricks there and this beam structure. And and there's this little gate here, like pen. I don't know, that's supposed to be a door, a window back there over the shepherd's um, shoulder. And we see some sheep back there, a little donkey over on the right. If you squint and pretend a little, if you're on your mobile phone, you probably don't see the donkey way off to the right. Um, but just sort of this beam structure, and, and we have some farm implements hanging from the top of the top of the well, from the ceiling there, from the rafters. Uh, looks more medieval construction than um, Middle Eastern construction. Uh, the shepherds we see here kind of have these elaborate headbands, uh, and and their and their articles of clothing look, you know, fairly nice, comparatively. Uh, and then we've got these. If they're Oriental kings or wise men or whatever here, whatever they are on the right side, all holding their gift boxes, and anyway. Nice painting, but not what we find in Scripture. And let's go back to Luke chapter 2, if we will. Okay, that he was laid in a manger or a, a feeding trough. It doesn't tell us really about the surroundings of where this manger was, but judging from uh, what we know about Bethlehem in the first century, probably not uh, a, a um, medieval sort of uh, barn with its beam structure and, and mud walls, etc. But we read, uh, verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Well, yeah, an angel, just an angel appears, and then have the glory of the Lord, the 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 brightness, you know, the the what maybe called the Shekinah glory uh, of the Lord, just like in the wilderness where you know the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day how the Lord accompanied them in a, in a physical manifestation like that. Anyway, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now this is this is interesting uh, because it's not just the fact that um, that there's a baby laying in a manger. That's that's a sign, definitely. I mean, I, normally uh, newborn infants are not placed in a feeding 
trough for animals, uh, but also the the angelic the angel tells them uh, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now there's some disagreement among biblical scholars. Uh, there's one word in the Greek. Uh, that's translated into wrapped in swaddling claws. Um, uh, but the root of that word is strips, like strips of cloth. So I like here that, uh, at least in the New King James and other translations, uh, have this plural, cloths, uh, and wrapped up in cloths. Um, so, I mean, if it was just a baby wrapped in his mother's shawl, as Down Here sings, and, uh, their song, How Many Kings, which is, which is a beautiful song, and, and his mother's shawl might have been wrapped up around him at some point, but that's not the sign. Uh, the sign to them is they go into the city of David, which is Bethlehem, when they go in there, uh, how they find who this child is, there's a sign, one, he's lying in a manger, but part of the sign also is that he's wrapped in swaddling cloth. So that tells me, because that is the sign given to them, that that's something unusual. So rather than being wrapped up in whatever a baby would, newborn baby would be wrapped up in, he's wrapped in strips of cloth, uh, which leads some biblical scholars to believe that perhaps where this manger was located was in a cave and in a cave near caves that in a, there were some caves used for uh, animal shelters and also uh, there near there were probably some caves used for burial as well and then there would might be this material these strips of cloth uh, for wrapping up uh, a corpse wrapping a body, preparing the body for burial, which would also be handy for wrapping up uh, the newborn infant if it were there in an adjoining cave. And if that's the case, then then uh, that would be fitting, right? The, the one who was born, uh, came to the world to die, he was born to die, die on our behalf, that he would begin his life uh, wrapped in strips of cloth that would be fitting well for a mummy you know for a corpse and i'm kind of thinking that might be true because you know that the angel says this is the sign which is given to you you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger if if the wrapped in cloths had nothing to do with a sign why mention it why this will be a sign to you, you'll find a, a babe lying in a manger but that was mentioned as part of the sign that it wasn't just lying in a manger but wrapped in the swaddling cloths. Alright, so that's um, one thing. and Well, I'll go ahead and bring up this other painting here. Let's see, this one here. This might be a little more accurate here. Uh, we see this uh, McNaught fine art. I don't know who the artist is. Uh, McNaught is the last name. I don't know. But uh, we see there's this cave here, this cave-like structure. 
Um, I like how the shepherds are um, not simple. They don't have elaborate headbands on their heads like the other shepherds. Their clothing is pretty simple. They're shepherds after all. Not the highest rung of society at the time. And we even have small boys with the shepherds and not uncommon. You think of David himself who was a shepherd. He was just a boy when he began that activity. And and the one boy that we see in the foreground here is barefooted. He's not wearing sandals. Uh, uh, one shepherd, we can see his feet, is wearing sandals. Uh, but the boy is not uh, because, you know, sandals would be expensive. And for kids that would outgrow them shortly, uh, there's no sense in purchasing or, you know, making sandals for a kid who's going to outgrow them uh, in a matter of really days and weeks as time goes on. So, and also absent from the picture that we just looked at, of course, is is the absence of wise men and or the you know the um, uh, Robbie Blee asking too Catholic? No, not. Not Catholic, well, not in the sense of Roman Catholic, Catholic and chap capital C, like the Church Universal Body of Christ. Um, you could say that belong to the Catholic Church, as as the Apostles' Creed goes. And I'm not going to break down and critique the Apostles' Creed, so-called Apostles' Creed, right now. That's time for you know, it's, it's a whole nother thing. All right, back to the subject of tan. So the first, the uh, first nativity uh, rendition we saw, of course, has these um, regal-looking characters here. Uh, these bearded men with their finery and their hats and their ornate gift boxes. But um, again, uh, you see this a lot. Whoops. Skewers, but like that, like that title there. Picked the wrong, <laughs> right photo, wrong, wrong title there, from an old episode. The nativity, yeah, not the nativity because um, because we have these these, I guess the wise men there present in this elaborate uh, medieval um, you know, Middle Ages uh, barn. Uh, with an infant. All right, Matthew chapter two. Seeing that this is what sparked the um, the quiz earlier. I was going to say this week, but this is Sunday, so last week. Wise men from the east. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, that would have been Herod the Great, because. Uh, um, Herod the king, not to be confused with uh, Herod later on uh, when Yeshua, when Jesus was in his 30s, which would have been the grandson of this Herod, uh, Herod Antipas. But this is Herod the Great, as he's known. Um, okay, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. 
Now we could, they probably got this idea uh, from Daniel uh, when he was in Babylon uh, about, about the coming Messiah. And anyway, we won't get into that. Uh, but uh, because they don't say specifically uh, what star it was they saw or, or why they associate with the, the Messiah, he has been born king of the Jews, or that it had been um, uh, connected to his birth, they don't specifically say. Um, so I'm going to move on from there. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And we had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the born of, of the people together. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written the prophet. And quoting from, uh, quoting from Micah, quoting from Micah. Uh, but you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall who will shepherd my people Israel. Uh, then Herod, had, when he had secretly called the wise men, and it's plural here, it's just wise men, magoi in the Greek, so it's a plural word. Um, uh, we don't... Uh, some might... Uh, translate um, astrologers or magicians... Um, but in the ancient, uh, uh, near East, nearer East, I don't know, you know, the, um, the region of, of Persia, uh, that sort of thing, you know, modern day Iraq, Iran, uh, they would have been basically the, the scientists of the day, uh, the mathematicians of the day, the astronomers of the day you know, the chemists of the day, all, you know, they would have been, uh, all of the, the sciences of the day, they would have been like the National Science Department, as, as who these uh, guys were. And, and of course, it wasn't like today with a religion of science and a, and a religion, a spiritual religion, they were kind of um, uh, together. I mean, the the intellectuals of that time saw uh, spiritual things as connected to, uh, you know, the universe and whatnot. It sounds like I'm being totally vague here, but I want to, you know, keep things time and not get off in too many rabbit trails. So... Herod secretly called the wise men and determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And again, we've got different, we've got different words uh, between uh, the infant of Luke chapter 2, the babe, and the young child here of Matthew chapter 2. And the difference is a matter of age, as we'll see. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Uh, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, obviously not the typical uh, star 
uh, well, you know, like Polaris or, um, you know, or whatever, um, you know, in the Pleiades or any of those stars in the sky, because this star stands over a particular house, so that makes it uh, unusual. It goes before them, uh, and then it stops how so... Uh, the glory of the Lord again, the, the kind of glory of the Lord very well could be. Anyway, stood over where the young child was. Um, when they, well, stood over where the young child was. We learn here in verse eleven. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they'd come into the house, uh, not the cave, uh, not the barn, uh, not where the animals were, but into the house. Uh, when they saw again the young child with his with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and they opened, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from, for their own country another way. So they didn't go back through. They didn't go back through uh, Jerusalem through Jerusalem. So, so as we go on through um, Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to um, scroll on down to verse uh, 13, or 16, I'm sorry, 16. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under. Why two years old and under? Well, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Remember, he asked them, you know, when it was that this star had appeared. Um, remember, they were from the east, so... Uh, you, you look at a map and east of Jerusalem and on the other side of the Jordan River and all that into the land of uh, what modern-day Jordan, which would have then been the province of Syria. Um, we don't know where they were from, but quite um, probably they were from more inland than that. Like I say, um, modern-day Iraq or Iran or ancient-day Persia. And so it would have taken them a while to get their stuff together and, um, you know, get to Jerusalem. So it doesn't say how soon after the, the, the star appeared that they set out for Jerusalem to find who he had been born, king of the Jews. Uh, but they kept track of, you know, when that was. And when asked about it, it, it had been about two years uh, since that uh, had appeared, which they understood to be the sign of the birth of the Messiah, birth of the King of the Jews. So, you know, in our in our painting of uh, and many nativity scene that has these the wise men, the Magoi, attending the infant who's uh, was in a manger. And it doesn't look like this babe is wrapped in strips of cloth um, either. But they they weren't present at that time. Uh, it was it was two years later 
It wasn't in a barn. It was in a house in Bethlehem. And so there. Uh, the shepherds had come and gone. And the even though there's no room on the end the night that Jesus was born, this is two years later, and they'd since taken up with probably relatives because Joseph was at the house and the lineage of David and went to Bethlehem to be registered. So probably relatives that they uh, stayed with and were, you know, took up room in their house for a while. Um, so, and again, we don't know how many wise men. The Greek word is simply, magoi is simply plural, which means two or more. My guess, because we read that when they came to town, basically, when they came to Jerusalem, that, you know, there was a, uh, it caught the notice of everybody. Um, um, uh, Anyway, I, I suspect that there was quite the entourage that came. You know, not just the wise men, because it's a long journey for them. If We don't know when they left, but if it was, you know, the better part of year that they came, they would have had to have, you know, provisions for that time, or maybe they bought stuff along the way, whatever. And I'm sure, you know, passing through, uh, you know, several different regions... And uh, peoples, they wouldn't just send, uh, these three guys wouldn't go out on their own with, mm. with carrying gold <laughs> and frankincense and myrrh. You know, expensive, expensive items, really. And they wouldn't just go it alone, you know, uh, you know on a one camel or whatever. I mean, they would have had protection and there would have been uh, an entourage traveling with them. So what are we doing with this? What we're doing with this is, you know, we have our traditions of this barn-looking structure, and and uh, you know the cattle were lowing, and the poor babe awakes, and all our, <laughs> our uh, Christmas carols and things like that, and hark the herald angels sing. Um, doesn't say that they sang. Just we have one angel speaking, and then we have the heavenly hosts and in Luke chapter 2 suddenly with the angel one a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest on earth peace goodwill toward men Um, so and that was not not at at wherever the manger was not at the animal pen but that was out in the field where the shepherds were who were announcing the birth of Messiah, the birth of of the Christ, and to these lowly shepherds out in the field. And all that grand display was out there. And then they came, the humble shepherds, to a humble location, uh, perhaps a cave, you know, with the animals, and and not a big to-do going on there, not a bunch of, you know, wise men from the east, um, a really simple birthday <laughs> celebration. Uh, only not much of a, well, there was a big celebration out in the field, but, uh, you know, it's just like our Lord. If you read Philippians chapter 2, uh, about how being 
uh, in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be tenaciously held on to, but emptied himself, you know, emptied himself of his privileges and, and took on the form of a, uh, a man, uh, not only a man, but a servant, not only a servant, but a servant obedient to death and not just any death, but death on a cross. Uh, the, the life and times of our Lord, uh, the Messiah, Yeshua, is, is all about stepping down, stepping down, stepping down on our behalf. Uh, the scripture tells us there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Yes, man. Um, uh, the only way to represent both parties is that he be fully God and fully man. He had to take on human flesh, come into the world the way we come into the world, not conceive the same way, but actually come into the world through the birth canal the same way that we do. And as we read in Hebrews chapter 4, was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. Um, but, you know, he couldn't be that mediator between God and man unless he could really represent us from the human experience. Not a sinful human experience, because that wouldn't make sense for a sinful person to die for our sins. He'd be dying for his own sins. But... Uh, in order to be our kinsman, kinsman redeemer, a Goel, and that's a whole other Old Testament um, and important uh, concept, that whole thing of a kinsman redeemer. There are so many, so many layers to um, the scriptures, even the New Testament. You know, we read earlier about the city of David. If you don't know who David is and what the city of David it is, you know. Um, because the angel said, you know, for, for today is born in the city of David. They didn't say Bethlehem. They just said the city of David, and the shepherds knew where to go. Um, they knew that the city of David was Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And there are, there are so many things in the New Testament, which is a continued book, you know, a continued book. Uh, recording of God's dealings with his people Israel uh, that without Old Testament knowledge you miss a great deal of it um, near 70% 60 some percent of the words of, of Yeshua of Jesus are either direct Old Testament quotations or allusions to something uh, in the Old Testament so uh, there's there's so much there. Um, I I get a little, I wouldn't say upset, but just really discouraged and um, saddened when when those identifying Christians will downplay the Old Testament and say, oh, that was then, and then, oh, well, whatever, I don't get much out of that. All we really need right now is the New Testament. But with, without that Old Testament, the Tanakh, the the Torah, the uh, Nevi'im and the Ketuvim, uh, you know, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. Most of the New Testament doesn't make sense at all. Uh, you know, Luke chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-seven, beginning with Moses and all the prophets and all the writings, he expounded to them the things concerning himself in the Scriptures. Um, 
the birth of Jesus, the coming of Messiah, isn't in a isn't an isolated event in a vacuum. You know, there's there's hundreds of years of prophecy and and narrative uh, behind uh, the coming of the Lord. As Paul says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Um, that in the fullness of time is like everything was right. Everything that all these prophecies and all these things hadn't happened before and the stage was set in the fullness of time, right when it should have happened, God sent forth his son, the everlasting son who already existed, but to be born, to enter into this world, the word to become flesh. You know, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, that he, you know, that the divine might take on human flesh and uh, begin that process of reconciliation, of mediation between uh, God and man. And again, without with without that Old Testament background, it, it you lose a great deal of what's happening in the life of Messiah and in the life in in the New Testament things that are are referred to is just so important to have that backdrop. Um, Stace, are you joining us again? Undecided. You're listening, okay. I'm tired. I'm really tired. Yeah, well, it's it's nine and one p.m. Thinking about wrapping this up, so oh. well, I don't know if you want to pop back in and. Sure. Sure, she says. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for <clears throat> is that I have a husband that loves the Word of God. You know, and um, I was I was just uh, listening to somebody. They were talking about, um, you know, how this time of year everybody's out there buying stuff and and all that. And um, I just want to encourage you to do less. Less is more. Less is more. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would be saying that anyway because I'm I am a generally a minimalist anyway, as you probably know i mean like pictures i barely have any pictures on my wall people <laughs> none on these walls yeah actually none at all in this room but anyway maybe it's because i don't have children and stuff like that but <clears throat> but um but yeah i mean the i think the big thing is is i think Many of us are caught up more in tradition than what than we than what we really think, you know. And um, I just want to encourage you to get back in the Word, read the Bible, open the Bible up and read it. And you know, I, you know, what Randall was just saying about believers in the Old Testament. <clears throat> when I hear somebody talk about the Old Testament the way that Randall just described. What that tells me is that they've never been discipled to be able to understand the importance of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is what Christ read <laughs> before there was a New Testament. And fulfilled and every yeah. every every quotation uh, of scripture in the epistles 
is not a New Testament quotation, Old Testament quotation. And when Paul says that all scripture is inspired of God or God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, you know, etc., he's not talking about his own letters. No. He's talking about That's a the great Tanakh. Point. That is a great point. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I love the Old Testament. I think the Old Testament's awesome. Because, um, yeah, there's just so much in it. Uh, I could go on and on, but honestly, I'm just tired, so I'm not going to. But <laughs> but thank you for supporting the show. Um, you know, I ask that uh, you share it out if you don't mind. Um, you know, because if you want people to know about it, then share it out. And, um, you know, if you have any feedback for us, just let us know. And don't be afraid to be, uh, you know, to stand up for the Lord in our culture. Because it's a culture. I was having a conversation with some friends at church tonight. They're under the impression that this is the Christian nation we live in. And I said, I don't think so. I don't think our nation is a Christian nation. I think we're very post-Christian. I think there's a huge Christian veneer over our nation. And I think it's a mirage. I, I don't think that um, the majority of even believers really grasp who Christ is. Because it's not being taught. <clears throat> it's not being taught in the church. And it's, you know, even the emphasis in, in a lot of churches. Ah. Ow, that's hot. Oh. Mm-hmm. Have a little space heater. It's a little bit too close to my leg. Ouch. That hurt. Anyway, um, my bed. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know, when when you have when you have Wednesday night Bible study no longer happening at most most churches <clears throat> and watered down people not even talking about repentance or even why Christ came, because it's all about us, then it's you know, it's no wonder people, they, they don't, they're not in the word of God. Randall, there's a question here. Uh, were the three wise men astrologers? That's actually a good question. Um, I've heard that posited before myself. Well, if you think of astrologers as, you know, today looking at the constellations mm -hmm. and, and, and where the moon was when you were born determined your personality no i don't believe so they were closer to astronomers mm -hmm. although there was um there was some you know um spiritual you know you know religion was not separated from the sciences at the time but I wouldn't say astrologers like we know today. In these particular magi, they were look, they were looking for the king of the Jews. So yeah. they might have even been worshippers of the one true God. Yeah. There you go. That's the short answer. Yeah. You can go back and watch the show, though. I think you might enjoy the beginning of the show where I talked about a couple of things, like. The most weird Christmas gift I ever got. Hey, TR fun guy. Uh, all right. So with that said, um, be bold. Stand up and go with God, and and um, be.
be careful out there. Okay? And we'll be back. By the way, we will not... Uh, we won't be doing our show Saturday at our normal time. We're not sure yet if we're going to do it earlier in the day or do it on a different day. But Saturday at 8 o'clock, we will not be doing our show. The 14th. Yeah, this coming Saturday. So, just so you know. Okay. But anyway, we'll we'll see you Friday for sure. Okay, bye. <laughs>